Okay. Welcome to A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Podcast. I am Jesse. And I'm Eric. And that probably didn't go the way you expected. No. <laughs> it uh, seemed all right. You know. Yeah? Yeah. So we have on a repeat guest. We yeah. have on Johnny Tischler. Hello, Previ- everyone. Previously seen as the uh, candidate for mayor of St. Catharines. That we wanted to talk to, and we're glad we got to talk to during the during the campaign. Yeah. It was a good interview last time. It was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad to be back. I can honestly say that uh, this was one of the highlights of uh, running in the, uh, the in the campaign was uh, to do the first one with you and actually be back. Uh, it's really exciting. We're very, very glad that we're a highlight that yeah. doesn't happen very often. I, I think that was one of the first podcasts where people started noticing us. I got recognized from that yeah. podcast. Really? People yeah. cared. They were watching. Yeah. They wanted to hear what you had to say. So it was I, a, I was somewhere was out podcast. in public and somebody looked at me and kept staring at me. <laughs> and then finally I said, is, is there something that matters? She's like, oh, no, no, never mind, never mind. Like, are you, like, are you sure? She's like, oh, well, it wouldn't have been, it wasn't you. Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? She's like, well, do you do a political show? <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> but I did do an interview with a candidate for mayor. She's like, oh, yeah, I saw that on you. I'm like, Or I saw you on that. I'm like, why didn't you think it was me? Why is it that impossible? He's probably thinking this guy's fatter yeah, than he looked on camera. Or something. Like, I don't know, but... Um, no, that that was very interesting to be recognized. It happens very, very few and far between. But I, I got a little bit of recognition from the first time around. Uh, I can honestly say, without uh, you know boasting or uh, you know being uh, vain in any way, uh, that uh, I, I do get recognized a little bit more even prior to running uh, for mayor, only because uh, after having run a business for seventeen years in the city and seeing a large demographic of of the city's citizens and the citizens of the Niagara region, uh, you know, on a daily basis, that just kind of makes you a little more recognizable. Yeah, Yeah, it seems like you were part of the downtown area for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. put a lot of years in so far, and uh, yeah. I wonder how different the audiences are. Like, what's the Venn diagram of people that go to your shop and the people that are very interested in politics in St. Catharines? Oh, uh, trust me, uh, you can tell that uh, the, the age where the average person should start showing an interest in uh, politics in general, uh, it doesn't seem like there's much interest there at all anymore. Uh, I don't even think, uh, you know, uh, people are really tuning into politics until uh, they've graduated university or, or you know, that's that, true. a small, like, there, I'm sure there's still a small per- percentage of myself. I voted right from the time I turned 18 till Fair to my age now, and I just, I don't see that happening because uh, there was a few times, uh, you know, I, I did mention to some people that came in, oh, I, like, I recently ran for mayor of St. Catharines. And they're like, oh, you know, did, did you win? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> and unfortunate. I'm like, uh, well, no, because I'd be at City Hall right now and not, <laughs> not here. It's an unfortunate that they would have to ask the question if they're living in said city. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you don't vote, that's one thing. But if you're totally oblivious to what was going on. Yeah. And then, of course, the, the sad fact is the fact. Or is, sad fact of the matter is if they don't. I don't know what the sad fact that was a ramble never mind I don't have a point to make there <laughs> fair enough but that is too bad because everybody that comes in that asks if you were mayor you realize A they didn't know that you ran and B they didn't vote for you in the process mm-hmm. as well 
that might have been the point I was trying to make. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of issues uh, 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 circulating around the city and around the con campaign too. So to just to be oblivious to all that, it's a, you know there was there were some disappointing things about the campaign, and uh, it wasn't so much uh, with the candidates or uh, how we ran our uh, each uh, ran our individual campaigns, but just the the lack of involvement. Uh, a little bit of uh, the exposure. I, I, I personally don't feel that uh, there was nearly enough exposure for the candidates. We only had two debates in the previous uh, election when Walter uh, won in 2014. There was uh, six or seven. So, so I feel that that additional debate time, that additional public exposure time made for a, a better election in 2014. What do you believe led to there being fewer debates? Honestly, uh, I, I, anything that I answered would just be a speculation or opinion. I couldn't, I couldn't That's say fair. that there's an exact reason why. Uh, um, maybe, maybe uh, because everybody just thought that uh, Walter was de a definite shoe in again, based on the, the other three candidates. Who hosted the debates? Uh, one was uh, 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 done on. Uh, I forget what it's called. It's the White House of Rock. You know, it was Hits 97.7, like okay. in that studio. And yeah. the other one was Kojiko. So uh, we're talking about fairly big sponsors for these kind of I events. I watched the Kojiko one. Yeah. yeah. Radio and one was radio, one was TV. So that, that was it. But see, the, the, the thing that we truly were absent were the public debates. And those were the ones that I really wanted to be a to part of. if we can host one. You know. That's the thing. With such prolific social media like accessibility you'd think that there'd be more sort of small public debates where, where pretty much anybody could just set up this kind of event hopefully mm -hmm. for no more than the cost of just renting a venue or like a space or something but i i guess maybe the current sitting mayor might not be so interested in such a small event or i i don't really know what might deter people from doing that I don't know either. I really felt that the lack of uh, public debates uh, affected uh, the overall outcome or at least uh, the awareness that uh, needed to be brought to uh, a larger citizen base. Yeah. I think yeah. I, I like watching debates. I guess it's just a sort of discussion. How structured were the debates? Because I guess that um, kind of plays well, into my opinion. Uh, Tim Dennis did the uh, the on air one, uh, so he's a he's an on air personality, and uh, I'm assuming that uh, you know he he might have they might have asked uh, the general public about some questions that they wanted to hear from all of the candidates. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe some were uh, developed by the studio them, or, uh, or the station themselves. Honestly, I have no idea where the debate questions were uh, created from. Like, I'm sure. sure that they've been they were asked of citizens so that the citizens could get a response. Makes sense to what not only uh, the mayor at the time uh, would, would answer, and then the potential uh, other three candidates. Was it very restrictive in like the amount of time you have to respond? There, there was a time limit, but I, I feel you could really get across what you wanted in that time. I don't think we were being held back in that sense in any way That's whatsoever. Good. Yeah. I think I should have probably watched the debates, although I couldn't <laughs> have voted for St. Catherine's mayor anyways, because I lived in Niagara Falls at the time. You had my vote. <laughs> just saying i appreciate i'm that. able to say that confidently um now the last time you were on you had said that at least at the time you were very confident that you were going to be able to run your tattoo business and also keep i mean at hopefully also keep both going running the tattoo business and then also the the 
uh, political side of things, but now you're saying different. So business is going well, I yeah. assume. Um, well, it was a little bit of struggle to continue to uh, work and manage uh, while the campaign was going on because I was also trying to uh, campaign as aggressively as possible. Uh, when the campaign ended and uh, Walter was reelected, uh, there was almost uh, you know uh, some some relief. I, I, it's not that I did not want to win. It's not that I didn't want the position or I wouldn't have ran for it. But uh, I knew I could now get back to uh, my business of 17 years that. Uh, that uh, needed me, needed my attention as much as the campaign did. Uh, and uh, since then, and it's approximately six months now that has passed, uh, things have really gotten busy for me uh, personally and professionally. So uh, yeah, it would have been a, it would have been a real juggle uh, if, uh, if I had been elected uh, to, to do both. I probably would have had to bring maybe a family member in on board on the business to uh, oversee the day-to-day -day operations while uh, I did whatever mayoral stuff was required of the position. Speaking on the business end of things, is there anything new that's going on in downtown St. Catharines, like any new businesses setting up shop, or um, is it more of the same? So it seems to be a pretty high turnover rate, St. Paul Street and that kind of area. Yeah, um, I, I only had a, uh, a studio. Actually, Sonic had two studios at one time. We, we, we spent 15 years on Hartzell Road, and then now recently the last two on Ontario Street. But we did open a second location for a while and uh, started out in Thorold of all places and then we uh, shifted it to St. Paul Street uh, and it was only there for about a year. Uh, I didn't find that it worked uh, very well. That uh, At the time it was very hard to get parking. Uh, uh, for some of the other studios they might find it works really well but I've, I've never found that uh, it, it's been easy for me to uh, work in the downtown core. And with the issues of some of the issues of the election and everything, of the a number of homeless that were down there and uh, drug addicted, well, were really causing some problems for uh, some of the business owners. And there's daily kind of harassment. Uh, so yeah, the downtown downtown core I feel is improving. I feel that the city of St. Catharines uh, uh, has done some some stuff to show improvement, but I I still feel there's there's probably some more that's needed. So in general, your opinion on the state of the city, like since you. Since you were last on here, there's been a giant outcry and conversation about mental health in the city. Safe mm -hmm. injection site just opened up, I believe. Yeah. Well, that correct? Or, or it's clear. Continues. It's clear for its progression. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, all the ongoing situations with uh, the... I don't know how to word it. The mental health, the Burgoyne Bridge stuff and everything. Are you... What's your opinion on the overall state of the city? Well, not uh, that it could have a hundred percent have been changed with a change of mayor power, but the, you obviously have opinions. That's why you ran. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, after all, I think people have to realize that uh, the mayor is only one vote. Uh, he can't unilaterally make decisions or uh, approve yes. things without it uh, being voted on, but. Uh, but he, but he can definitely, uh, you know, put forward uh, his, some some of his influence and, and try to communicate with his counselors uh, in the hopes that they see what he feels is a good thing for the city. Um, about the mental health thing. Now, here's something I'm not even sure if I even mentioned it the last time I was on, but I've actually worked in the mental health industry. 
um, with uh, you know many different agencies throughout uh, the Niagara region and this is actually goes back this is prior to me uh, even uh, owning a tattoo studio or even becoming a piercer so originally I moved to St. Catharines uh, to become a horticulturist so I went to Niagara College and uh, it was across the street the low the it's not a Niagara on the, the current Niagara on the Lake location uh, where it is now it used to exist right across from Laura Secord on Niagara Street. There's a, a brown brick house and some greenhouses there. That that was my campus. That's where <laughs> I graduated from horticulture, uh, and uh, I ultimately went into the horticultural field. And my last job before leaving the horticultural field was doing uh, being a job coach or a job trainer with the uh, you know uh, mental health issues and with people with mental health issues. So. I trained uh, men, high-functioning men, uh, and it, it, please excuse me if I use any backdated terminology because it's probably been updated now. And you know, so I, if if I'm out of the loop, it's only because I don't work in the industry anymore, and maybe I'm not back up on it. But I just so when I say high-functioning, you know, we we basically mean men that could live on their own with very uh, minimal supervision. You know, so. And, and I did that. I, I trained them in horticulture. I trained them how to cut grass and, and do uh, landscaping. And it was great. It, it was a great thing. I worked for the March of Dimes, uh, NTEC, uh, Niagara Support Services. Uh, wherever I was and wherever I was needed, I worked. So when I started hearing about uh, the increase in mental health issues in St. Catharines, yeah, it hit home. And uh, when I started hearing about people jumping off of the uh, Burgoyne Bridge, uh, that really hit home too. And I think the reason everyone's really uh, focused on how uh, Pathstone is uh, is doing so well in St. Catharines and everything now, but here's the issue: what, what the biggest issue, and I think anyone who is still in the industry knows me or still might see this that's in the industry would agree, is that mental health uh, support is only given up to about 18 or 19 years old, and then after that, when you become 20, 21, or anything like that there's really not that much support there for that higher age demographic. It's youth from childhood to like adulthood, like say 19, we'll use that number. Uh, and then beyond that, uh, the support uh, is very limited. So I feel that's where uh, these issues are coming up and, and people are slipping through the cracks. Prob like people with pre-existing conditions, you think just getting older or people perhaps developing some kind of condition? as they age it could it could be both um but then here let's just say uh currently the uh, you're an 18 year or 17 year old person who's got support for uh, through pathstone or some agencies you know and then all of a sudden you know uh, you reach uh, the age of 19 or 20 and, and all of a sudden you, you don't qualify to be in those programs anymore now you're kind of on your own yeah. you know that would be quite terrifying for imagine some individuals yeah, and then and then sometimes that uh, that uh, feeling of isolation is what uh, can cause uh, suicidal tendencies and uh, you know the the desire to want to hurt oneself. You know, so unfortunately, uh, that that's been happening too. And there was a time too when we had like when the St. Catharines General, which is practically non-existent anymore. I, like last time I drove by, there was only one yeah, one little place to stand in, and I'm probably I'm not laughing because it's just a, it used to be such a massive structure, visual uh, presence there, and now it's 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 so wide open. Yep. But the uh, St. Catharines General used to have uh, Norris Wing, right, which was for uh, adults, and that was the last uh, real, uh, to my knowledge was the last uh, area where an adult, 
after the age of 19 could receive some uh, care or could get some help. And then when the Norris Wing closed, uh, a lot of those people found themselves on the streets and then uh, without, uh, without assistance. And I think that's really, this is going back some years now though, this is way prior to even the election. So I think that's where we saw the beginning of it all happen. The catalyst. And then it started to snowball and, and now we're, we are where we are. It's interesting that it's a more recent development for St. Catharines. I know well and where I am now, it seems to be a issue that stems back from the closing down of the canal, like the bypassing of the canal and all these mm -hmm. industries and stuff leaving. And, and there is quite an issue in that city as well. But, but yeah, that's a much more old issue at this point. Still exists today, of course. So yeah, it, you'd think you'd be able to catch it a little bit quicker these days in a place like St. Catharines where perhaps you would see it coming with the closing of the hospital if it really was taking care of many people that now yeah. don't have anywhere to go. They might have saw it coming. It's just what do you, after the fact... You think you'd erect some kind of building or put a wing into the new hospital or something to take care of this situation? There, there, there were definitely options available, but then I think what it's probably going to boil down to, and anybody would say this, would be funding. Where's the money going to come from, yeah. right? Um, are we going to get it uh, given from the government? Uh, do we need to raise it locally? Uh, are we going to get it given uh, from the region? I mean, there's a lot uh, of, of things that could be said there. Uh, and, and, and there is no small expense at doing something like that. So that, that uh, is, is a definite. I mean, it, it can become very expensive. So I, I really couldn't say for a reason why it didn't move forward or why there wasn't anything additionally done for older people in need, uh, but it, it's still needed. Hmm. Well, it's yeah. very obvious it's still needed. Mm -hmm. You walk around, there's, there is a mental health crisis in a lot of places. And you pay attention to places in Niagara, be it St. Catharines, Welland, and whatnot. And mm -hmm. I don't know statistically if there's more issues here than there is elsewhere, but I'm definitely more aware of the issue in the Niagara region, having just lived here in general. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's a change of times in certain situations, like coming from a small town, grew up in Tilsonburg. When I was there. Or your back still aches when you hear that word? Oh, yeah. It did. I was one of the, the last generations. Like, my family comes from a tobacco family. It's tobacco country, yeah. And I'm one of the last generations of students that actually spent, at the very least, part of a summer picking tobacco before it went all offshore. Yeah. So I know. But not really. But I do. <laughs> it just wasn't very long. Um, and when I was there, it's either... I didn't pay attention, it didn't happen, or it wasn't my crowd of people, but now there's narcotic busts in Tilsonburg mm -hmm. and stuff like that, which never seemed to be the case, and there's more crime there, and you wonder if it is everywhere, if it's just once you're in an area for so long and you start to get involved in news, and obviously doing this, we talk to people on a more frequent basis, and we talk to very interesting people sometimes, you hear stories about certain situations, and again, long ramble, I can't seem to make points today. Um, it, I don't know if it's progressively getting worse everywhere, if it's just localized being in St. Catharines or anything like that. Sorry, 
I think it's safe to say it's probably affecting uh, all communities uh, to some degree. I think uh, maybe we as uh, people in St. Catharines see it a little bit more within the Niagara region uh, because we have the highest population of all the cities in the, in the Niagara region. So uh, that means we have more people living here so it's, pro it's more visually apparent when we see it. You go to the smaller cities and the smaller communities, you know, on the outskirts, uh, you know, like maybe Port Colburn or, you know, uh, you know, some of the smaller communities there. And then you're going to uh, maybe not see it as much because the population is are typically under 20,000. I laughed at the time. And then afterwards I thought about how kind of sad it was. But I went to an Ice Dogs game on Friday night. And as we were walking into the arena, there was a guy standing out, you know, looking for money. And he yelled out to one of the people, he's like, I need money so I can buy an eight ball. I'm like, well, he's honest. And I laughed at the honesty, but then yeah. after the fact, honest is good. And I have no doubts that he was probably actually looking for money to do so. But that is a, that's a kind of sad example because I haven't dealt with somebody kind of panhandling for money in a long time outside of the people that are beside my car on the highway, not on the highway, but getting on to the on highway. one of the on-ramps or yeah. off-ramps within the city yeah mm -hmm. that's something uh honestly that uh i think uh needs to be addressed i mean i'm not uh in a position to uh do anything about it uh just as a regular citizen but i i feel that a lot of people are just uh taking advantage of that trying to play on people's heartstrings to and, uh, and I've done a little bit of independent research on this myself, just out of curiosity, not to, to report to anybody or anything. So I actually followed this one gentleman that I kept seeing all the time at the same place. I drive by him all the time, out there with a sign, asking for money, saying that he's homeless, saying that he's, uh, that he's hungry and he's everything. A, an older man, I mean, it's a pretty general statement. Yeah. I think I might know who it is. It, it, I think a lot of people yeah. would know, like, uh, you know, like we, I don't Exit onto Glendale. You yeah, know, I don't have a name. You know, he okay. always rides a bike and everything. And I'm telling you, I followed him back to his apartment. So yeah. he is not homeless. I watched him, um, um, you know, chug a king can of Carling mm -hmm. before packing up his sign and walking away one time. That's right. And then he just threw the can in the bushes. And uh, so uh, you'll do an eight-hour shift at uh, the 406 yeah. in Glendale, and then when your day's done, you'll drive down and you'll hit the beer store yeah. uh, or the liquor store on Glendale. Which, of course, some of these people yeah. are in the position they're in because of alcoholism and other things like that. It's yeah. not saying that, you know, oh, they're not legitimate because they're, you know, just drinking the money away. No, that's, it's part of the issue. It's part of the issue yeah. for sure. Uh, one of the... Our most memorable times that I gave money to somebody, they were, it was a cold. I feel like I've told this. There's a lot of repeat stories on this show. <laughs> um, it was a cold winter night in front of the Walmart on 4th Ave, and there was this guy standing by the Walmart. He's like, do you have any spare change? And I said, I don't, because I don't typically have cash on me anymore. It's mm -hmm. just one of those things. And... When I was in the Walmart, I was thinking, it's getting close to Christmas. Now I kind of feel bad. And he was still there when I got out. So I put myself in the car and I turned around and I said, I, I, I'm not going, I don't have cash to give you, but let's go to the superstore and let's get like some sort of hot meal or something because they have the ready, the ready to eat meals. So he's like, okay. And as we're walking to the superstore, he changes his original story because his sign had said like homeless, you know, need food. And he's like, ah, uh, like, 
I've been just trying to find money. My girlfriend's doing the same thing. We just got an apartment. We have nothing. I'm like, okay. First off, you close the sale so you can stop selling. Yeah. And secondly, you're kind of ruining the sale because now you're no longer homeless and you have an apartment. Mm-hmm. So when we get to the get to the superstore, given like chink, chicken fingers and something, and there was something about him, even though the story didn't make sense, that he seemed genuine. So at the time, they were having a sale on like almost you know like the two liter tins of apple juice yeah they were having a sale on chef boardie in those size tins so i bought him huge two, huge yeah right and cheap obviously mm-hmm. so i bought him two cans and i said i'm not buying you a can opener but here you go and i don't know it's not really again not a point to that story but he i can't i don't know why i can't connect anything today but the whole genuine side of people that are asking for money he said he was homeless he wasn't homeless i suppose he still had something about him that made me give more after the fact but he was obviously in a tough time of course things they write on their signs and such might just be for empathy regardless of what their situation actually is and and i mean there's a, a extremely high cost updating those signs so you can't update them you gotta find day. a new piece of cardboard yeah no that was a bad joke yeah. um it's it's interesting and you do see the same people on specific intersections like i whenever mm-hmm. i get off the highway on the welland ave intersections roughly always the same people same bike everything and whatnot and i do always wonder where they go like you said you followed him home to his apartment i think a lot of people have taken that social experiment on themselves just yeah. to, just to understand somebody a little bit more because i've heard lots of people trying it I had, a pers- I had a homeless person get mad at me for giving him food. I had canned goods that I was going to donate to something else. And I went up to him and I gave him a bag of canned goods. And he's like, I, I, I have nowhere to put all this. Like, well, it's food. Yeah. <laughs> he got mad. <laughs> well, the unfortunate thing is, is like uh, I did it to satisfy a, a personal desire to need to know, right? Because... Uh, I think, uh, as we mentioned, uh, you know, uh, we are people, we are empathetic, we, you know, we want to help, uh, but uh, we also don't want to be conned, we don't want to be taken advantage of. And I think uh, if you'll, if anyone can remember back, do you remember uh, Toronto always used to have this uh, woman, they, uh, they referred to her as the shaky lady? And mm-hmm. she uh, pretended to have like some sort of condition that caused her to shake all the time and she would hold out a sign. And this has been public, like, this is the news, right? So someone did the same to her. They followed her back. They found out she lived in a condo somewhere on Eglinton, you know, and uh, everything. And she basically, that was her job. She threw on some clothes and portrayed something uh, to, to make money. And uh, in a large uh, population uh, city like Toronto, uh, I'm sure eight hours of doing that uh, with the volume of people that wouldn't buy would probably render greater than an average minimum wage job, uh, you know, daily take. Quite you know? likely, yeah. So, I ho- I really hope that uh, there there is some legitimacy to the amount of it that I do see here in the city because I do feel that obviously there is a lot of uh, a lot of uh, fa- uh, fraud, you know, a lot of fake people doing it. So, well, I'm sure. Even yeah. in a place like Niagara, you could make a unfortunately good income if you really tried panhandling. Mm-hmm. Not just in Toronto, here. Because yeah. every time I stop and somebody is walking, asking for money, 
more often than not, at least one or two cars will give. And if you consider every time the stop sign is red on an eight-hour basis. I'm mm-hmm. sure there's people who have done social experiments also that have tried to panhandle and just seen where it got them. Yeah. Oh. An interesting thing to, to study. Be interesting to see if the city or the region, I'm not sure who would be directly responsible for it, uh, if it would be a city bylaw or something, but if, if it starts to get looked at, because then there could also be a, a it, could, it could be a ministry thing too, right? Because most of the time they're standing on the side of a highway, right? So you're on an off-ramp or an on-ramp, it might be ministry property. I don't even know, like, you know, technically you're not supposed to stop on the side of a highway unless it's an emergency, right? So hanging out on the side is a distraction to a driver. You know, you're you, yeah. you're stopping the flow of traffic. I, I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to put it out there that uh, that I feel that there's a, that it that it, it it's getting big. It could be a serious problem, right? I don't know about usually where people stand, but I do know the other day, actually a couple times in my life, I've seen somebody try to bike on the side of the 406. And there and was there was a report the other day of a biker on the QEW. Oh, on oh I did shoulder. hear about that. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And every time I've seen such a thing, there's it's pretty much always the OPP officer that seems to respond, and they'll pick yeah. them up, take them off the highway, and that's about it. Yeah. It's been about the end of that. I don't know what. Uh, I don't think there's any repercussion really for doing it. The, the report of the guy on the QEW said that he was taken off the highway yep. and wasn't charged or anything yep. like that. Yeah. I feel like that's if you do if you do it more than once and get caught more than once, maybe there'd be some repercussions. But yeah. mm. obviously, he had a place to go. There's there's that, and uh, I'm just going to bring this up. If you guys want to talk about it, we can talk about it a little bit. Well, yeah. what about all these electric bikes and these e-bikes and everything that are out there right now? I so, I personally think that is a, is an, a big issue in all cities you right think now. A nuisance or, or a hazard? In full transparency, yeah. my family has made a lot of money off of them. <laughs> okay. No, okay. That, full transparency. That's fine. You know, that's a business. So. It's a product, and it's being sold. That's anything. But the thing is, is the people that are buying them sometimes are people who have lost their licenses for the yes. rest of their life, very, very and it puts often. them back on the road where they they're not supposed to be. The you know. interesting question is: Is that really a problem? And I know lots of people see people on these e-bikes that maybe are being ignorant of, of other people on the road and, and things like that. If the person is not driving said bike intoxicated, which is still a crime, they could mm-hmm. still face some kind of penalty for doing that, is it a problem that people are using these electric bikes but have lost their driver's license? Because, I mean, you don't need a driver's license in the first place to drive these bikes. It doesn't actually matter. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it's one of those weird gray areas because, I actually, I worked at a couple factories when I was younger, but, like, there were dozens of people that had lost their license due to DUI. And... They rode those bikes to work every day, and that was how they made their living, and it was critically important to their lives. Yeah, I, 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 I hear what you're saying there, and let's just say that uh, there, there wasn't any crime uh, involved where a person didn't have a driver's license. They just chose not to get one, but then started using an e-bike or mm-hmm. something. But I guess there's a lot of gray areas, like yeah. you said. Um, the only thing is is that there's such high volume uh, of them on the roads right now. I think it's obstructing what uh, we know to be like regular rules of the road, and regular you, road laws. And, and that you have an argument about. And they're sure. fitting into an area that... Uh, is just uh, I, I, 
I don't know. It hasn't been addressed. I just I think we need to to see this issue uh, within city limits be addressed. Being a cyclist is a very strange thing. I, I know in Toronto there's a very um, detailed set of requirements that you have to you know do certain things while you're on the road, signal certain actions, and, and basically they have very specific rules. I feel like in a city the size of St. Catharines, it's not quite so big yet as to have those rules in place. It always like there's, there's bike lanes in some places. There aren't in others. Some people follow signaling and rules and all sorts of other stuff, and some people, you know, might dip across the sidewalk and come back out on the road somewhere else and do whatever to maneuver their bike around. It, it seems to be a lot of chaos mm-hmm. in this city. In yeah. my experience, it, it's the majority of bikers that don't use proper hand signals, and then the ones that do, it always throws you off. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. you are supposed to do that. Yeah. Um, I think e-bikes either need to be classified with... I mean, it, it is hard to classify because a lot of them do have turn signals. So, are they are they exempt from the proper bike uh, signals? I, I don't know. It would make sense if they were to do yeah, proper signals. They just do need to follow some sort of the, the current distinctions are there's motorcycles and there's limited speed motorcycles, which are ones that cannot go on highways because they're too slow, and then there's the electric e-bikes, which are not in any category other than just the same one as bicycles so they don't mm-hmm. require licenses and things perhaps if you are going to require people to have licenses to drive them you'd have to at least raise the speed cap because they're all locked at 33 kilometers an hour that's and you can change that but not legally anyways but yeah yeah but it would be a weird shift in that business if it ended up being required that they needed licenses yes. because the majority like you most said, of the, the sales with people that have them are people that don't or can't mm-hmm. get a license anyways um it's it is a very interesting industry because it is kind of it is the wild west of sales there is no regulation and whatnot and mm-hmm. there's so many different kinds out there oh, having seen yeah. some of them that get sold like there's ones that have amazing speakers and sound systems yeah. there's fully enclosed ones that look like just a tiny clown car yeah and whatnot that have it it's amazing what they can do but there should be some sort of regulation that goes along with it so is that a you think that maybe an infrastructure change like should we have more bike lanes or or is there something else we can well that's uh that's even that's an expensive thing to change it it is very expensive (laughs) And I'm not really in a position to uh, to do anything about it uh, uh, right yeah, now. I'm, right. I'm I'm just a citizen like everyone else, and yeah. uh, I do have a voice uh, and uh, and an opinion. But uh, and a tendency it, uh, for running for mayor. Yeah. So so that's, let's uh, that's let's need. hope that uh, you know if someone you know at city council or the mayor himself sees this that. Uh, they heard us discuss our feelings on it a little bit, and 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 maybe something uh, is initiated. And there's a lot of people on these devices yeah. that clearly if there's some kind of issue these people aren't going away they want to be able to use their bikes or electronic bikes or whatever it is they have so mm-hmm. i think most a lot of pretty much every city in canada has some kind of transportation crisis afoot i mean we're not big enough to have like a subway system or something but but yeah even at the street level bikes are something we need to be concerned about mm-hmm. yeah. and every so the, it was in welland last week that there was a 
there was an accident involving an e-bike pedestrian. Is that right? I can't remember. I don't. I didn't see the story about that one. I think there was. So I don't. I won't go into I'm the sure details because I don't have the details, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure that it was a severe one, and that's all I really have to say about that because I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, it's kind of as as we said, the infrastructure change could happen, but if they do regulate, do require license, it's an industry that will become less popular just by nature. Because mm-hmm. I don't have the statistics, but if you require a license, I would say probably more than half of the people won't be able to ride them anymore. No. Yeah. Well, uh, who knows what kind of licensing it would be? I don't imagine it would be as structured as obviously a motor vehicle like a car. Maybe you might uh, just have to register them like you do the drones. Uh, uh, yeah. Or maybe uh, you, you at least if you had insurance, you could have something in place if you were to hit a pedestrian or, or cause damage to something, which yeah. at least gives you an end. E-bike insurance. It's, yeah. It's possible. <laughs> So what you need you need some sort of licensing and then insurance. You don't well, yeah, you don't necessarily need the licensing part. Well, even like a license plate, an identifiable yeah. plate. Yeah. Most of them do have plates anyway, so to have a a regulated way of it of recognizing specific vehicles isn't the worst thing in the world, and then insurance comes along. Here's a random, totally different thing to talk about because it's less it is more personal to you. What kind of car do you drive? Uh, I drive a Volkswagen. Okay. Yeah. Volks, Golf, Jetta? Uh, I used to have a T1. Golf, and now I'm, I'm driving a Rabbit. Yeah. Oh, Rabbit. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Is it a diesel? Uh, no, uh, that's what I had prior. I had the uh, Golf TDI before, and uh, excellent vehicle. Uh, um, it was so fuel efficient uh, before diesel actually became more expensive than regular gas. Yeah, it definitely crossed uh, that threshold. So, at some so point. when when I saw the opportunity to pick this uh, this current Rabbit uh, up that I have have now uh, at a good price, it was a, r- a good quality used uh, vehicle. I, I decided to go uh, to stick with regular gas this time and. I'm not. I'm not sure I'd ever go back to the diesel because I've been monitoring it, and and uh, the price is still much higher. A lot of people are very s- sore after the whole Volkswagen lying to a lot of their customers kind of thing on the yeah on their emissions testing and, and things like that. But I'm sure there's still people that stick with them because they do like the the vehicles themselves. Well, the quality of the vehicle is still there. Uh, they're one of the few uh, car companies that actually use galvanized steel on all their uh, their cars, so they have a corrosion policy that if anything, uh, any corrosion happens, it's covered. Right? There's not too many cars that, that car companies that do that. So if you develop some rust or a hole in your in your Volkswagen, you just simply take it back to the dealer where it was purchased at and just say, "I want this fixed." This is any Volkswagen. Any well, if you bought it used, I'm not sure you, that that would qualify. But okay. if you bought it brand new, uh, so the minute uh, you start to notice some corrosion or something, uh, then it, it would be covered, right? Hmm. And that's that's a rarity to have something like yes. that. Uh, there's a few companies with like uh, there's a certain electromagnetic thing that Toyota does with their their frame and chassis in some places where you can pretty much resist a lot of the rust that a lot of vehicles get. But for the most part, yeah, everybody's car on the road that's if it. It's 10 years old or older, mm-hmm. you're going to see rust everywhere. Yes. Yeah. I got a rusty truck yeah. at the moment. I got a rusty car. <laughs> the they cars, cars for the most part, really are not built to take Canadian winters. 
the way that you know a, a car could last forever in Texas, it would yeah. never rust out. I think yeah. they, I think cars can take winters if you have a proper garage. It helps, yeah. You got to <laughs> clean off salts and, and things like that and keep them not entirely wet all the time. But, but yeah, that's uh, that's being a Canadian, though. I guess yeah. we go through cars quite quickly. Yeah, well, that was interesting. As a side note, yeah. Um, you have a unique perspective compared to the majority of actually most Canadians in general and the fact that you ran for mayor or for any position in office there has to be some uh, cinematic like stories that you have there has to be some some interesting stories of the behind the scenes that maybe you'd be glad and happy to share with us. Yeah, you know, I think I could share a few uh, um, because uh, it was uh, almost quite movie-like in some ways. Which is what we like to hear. Yeah, so uh, first of all, I'll say that uh, running uh, for mayor or uh, a municipal politician uh, was uh, a great experience. I wholeheartedly recommend anyone who cares enough about their city or wants to uh, affect some change to give it a try. Win or lose, uh, you'll never look back on it as being a mistake of having tried. Now back to your question though. Uh, shortly after registering, before uh, registration had completely closed, okay, so I registered day one, all right, and I went down to City Hall and I filled out my forms. You'll see the, the pictures and I have uh, that I've posted on my mayor's Facebook page and uh, stuff. But, uh, so the, as the other candidates rolled in, and we knew that we were, the, the four of us, you know, I, it didn't look like anyone else was going to jump on board, right? I actually received an anonymous uh, contact via email uh, from one individual, it was much like a deep throat, you know, uh, basically telling me that I should, uh, you know, uh, either bow out of the election altogether uh, and not move forward with running for mayor, or as a secondary thing, I should, uh, before uh, the uh, uh, election clo uh, uh, registering closed, I should drop off from running for mayor and run for uh, a ward councillor of my, of my ward, which is uh, Meriden. Uh, but uh, no, I didn't, I didn't do it. And this person started uh, you know, quoting off uh, you know, who was gonna win this election. Um, and uh, how future things were gonna change and everything. And uh, surprisingly enough, uh, a lot of what they said uh, actually happened. So I, I'm not sure how, how that person had that uh, insight or that intel into doing it. I'd like to think it if was it, just coincidence. Yeah, well if it's things that would be hard to predict, the immediate thought is some kind of corruption or collusion, which mm -hmm. is not good. No collusion. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you think it was things it would be hard for somebody to predict that they were predicting? Well... Because, I mean, if you're predicting who would win as the mayor, it's not that much of a long shot well, to say that you would re-elect somebody who was mayor yes. already, so... That's not so bad. Um, I, I'm a numbers person, like in my in my life, like uh, outside of uh, anything we've talked about. I'll just disclose that, like I, I crunch the numbers. It's all about percentages and everything. I, if I'm going to make a decision, it's all based on uh, taking all the statistical data, all the numbers, and then I, I heavily weigh on that before I make uh, any final decision. And uh, you know, that's that's something that I've always done. So I think that uh, there's, there's some 
a lot of facts and statistics and everything that definitely would have affected the outcome uh, of this election. And, and, and a lot of those are, aren't necessarily like uh, uh, what the term is like. Uh, it wasn't like a conspiracy or anything by any means. Uh, I believe, and I'm just going to throw uh, numbers which aren't exact, but they're pretty close. Okay, so we had about approximately 87,000 registered voters. Okay, and uh, only about 21,000 of those 87 actually went out and voted. So you're, that's like one quarter, you know. So the, you know, the fact that Walter uh, won was not a surprise to me. I had no expectation of winning. I went into that and, and anyone who was in, in the election with me would have heard me saying it constantly too, that uh, no, I don't, I don't expect to win. Uh, I did my best. Uh, I did not have uh, the budget or funding that I'm sure lots of other people did, um, but I wanted to uh, put my uh, hat in, the, in there and I wanted to see what I could do. But uh, when you have an incumbent running, first of all, statistically, you know, if you look up how, uh, how difficult it is to unseat an incumbent, you know, there's, there's about a, a 25 to 30% chance of it happening. So statistically, just on that point alone, uh, there's not a good chance that uh, you're, you're going to unseat an incumbent uh, candidate. And then with the lack of turnout and possibly with the lack of exposure like we talked about earlier, there being no public debates, when the time came around to vote and, uh, you know, they looked at the voters' cards, they would basically be staring at three unknown names versus unknown name. And, you know, Walter had been the mayor for four years. Mm -hmm. And he, his name was mentioned for four years in media, everything he did. Um, our names were relatively unknowns, you know. Like, let's face facts. I mean, you have a retired businessman, a current business, like uh, businessman, and a minister. Okay, those are the those are the three people that <laughs> ran against Walter. Okay, I mean. I think it was great. I know these men, Richard and Tundy, to this day, and we're still friends, and I, and I love these guys, and we'll never not be friends. It, it, we, we talk weekly, um, but where, where were the seasoned politicians, you know, with the number of ward counselors that we have, two, two per ward? Wh why is it that a businessman, a retired businessman, and a minister uh, were the only three people in the city of St. Catharines that uh, felt that, you know, the city needed some change? <laughs> And, and stepped up. Uh, I don't know. I just, I just, I feel that I just feel that there wasn't, uh, there wasn't a, a, enough seasoned municipal politicians uh, that uh, showed that they really wanted to be anything other than their current seat. Do you think it might have been because of the fact that <clears throat> they were going up against an incumbent? Like they, they would wait until the next election when there's more chance to actually win because they know that somebody new has to come in you know uh it's a good question and everything but again like me being a numbers guy and so i'll just i won't mention any names but i'll just uh break it down in the form of a scenario so here we have a mayor who just completed his term and is an incumbent running again now there are at least two ward councillors that have done four terms that's 16 years that these people have been a ward councillor and have been on city council. That is a massive amount of experience that those people have seen 
three mayors in their entire term. They've been a part of different mayors, different councils, like uh, seeing people, other people come and go. Any one of those ones that had done three or four terms, I don't think anyone exceeded four, uh, those people would have made great candidates to run for mayor. Uh, I think that I think that experience, even though it was just at the ward councillor level, they had been a part of it, in it. They've seen the difference. They've seen things Whatever happen. Strategies. I everything. think those would those people would have made great candidates. Why they decided not to run, I don't know. Maybe they were content with just running, uh, rerunning, and uh, being a part of their ward. And 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 there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you care about your ward and you want to represent them to the best of your ability. Then just didn't stay there. You know, because like we mentioned earlier. The mayor's only one vote, but then so is a ward councillor. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they can do just as much at that level, uh, you know. And they're probably more likely to keep their position in the ward. And I, what happens if they lose the election, don't become mayor? They get to keep their position. Are you? Oh no! Whatever you run no. for, if you don't win, so then, you're, so then it you're, makes you're, kind of sense you're just you a citizen again, back you know, like like you myself. You get stuck. In, it sounds bad. I understand you, why you would want to hold on to that. Yeah, yeah, you're successful at it, and you've been successful at it for well over a decade. So yeah. you stay doing what you do because, and it's feel, it might also be a, a feeling of comfort or safety, yeah. you know. And uh, if if that's the case, then. Uh, and again, I'm not knocking in any ward councilor that continued to do that. I, I just found it, you know, uh, just a little odd that uh, that there wasn't at least one candidate that ran against Walter that uh, that had some actual municipal politics as a background. Maybe everybody got an anonymous email telling them not to run because yeah. they were all going to lose. I not to know. throw conspiracy theories yeah. out there. Well, I don't know. I just got mine, and I, I just I, I addressed it, and I found it a little comical. Uh, I didn't really maintain communications with but this individual. You mentioned before the show, yeah. and I'm sure you'll be thinking about this, at the next election, they predicted yeah. who was going to win next. And there, they, that statistically is a yeah. more so shot. I'll be, uh, and I'm not sure if anyone else is, unless they've, uh, they're still following me on my uh, candidate page, um, but uh, I edited the the page. I, I announced uh, right after having lost that I was rerunning in 2022. Congratulations! So yes. the uh, the the page is still up. It states that um, the next thing I post on it will uh, more than likely be uh, this podcast, just to let people <laughs> let people know that uh, you know that uh, this is us talking a little bit about it after, and that my intentions are to give it a try again. I felt I learned a lot. Okay. Uh, and, and I'm hoping, and I'm hoping that you know maybe Walter has uh, bigger aspirations than running for mayor again. If he chooses to run for mayor again, I'm st I would still run. Um, but if he, if he doesn't, uh, and uh, there is no incumbent, well then maybe after you know having ran for mayor once before and then being known from having done that, that maybe my my chances might be a little bit better uh, without having an incumbent. You know. If you find a way to promote yourself into the public eye for the next few years, that probably is a good start. That's the most you could really Sounds do. Sounds like we need a Johnny Tischler podcast. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. That's a, it's a really <laughs> a, a thing, uh, important thing that you mentioned, though, uh, about that. 
is that uh, so uh, I received some criticisms during my campaign and a lot of people uh, you know uh, after the last podcast we did there a few people watched it and actually made some points and uh, you know they some of them had the decency to contact me directly and just talk to me like a regular person and I appreciate that other ones would be very dramatic and you know and, and you know stab at you and make pot shots and stuff like that uh, I didn't appreciate that, but for those ones that did contact me, I really appreciate the input that they gave me. Now, a lot of them said that, uh, what is your community involvement? So I think a lot of people, uh, when they're running for politics, they need a, a political resume. They need to build uh, like a, a background, uh, you know, or have community involvement. I always thought that being a regular citizen and a business owner for the last 17 years in the, the business Catherine, owner side of things is community. That's involvement. what I'm saying. Yes. I, I'd like to think that I do have good community uh, involvement. But I think I understood what they meant. They thought that maybe I should join some associations and some uh, committees and stuff. So, so I joined something near and dear to me. As I mentioned earlier, I'm a horticulturist before anything else, even prior to the tattoo studio. So I joined the St. Catharines Horticultural Society. That works. You Makes know, sense. and I joined it with Richard Stevens, you know, the uh, the other uh, mayoral candidate, and uh, it's it's been great. They actually contacted me and asked me for some feedback on what I thought about the St. Catharines uh, Horticultural Society. And uh, I gave them some really good feedback about what I thought we could do as a society in St. Catharines is to uh, creating more younger involvement. Uh, a lot of people probably just think that horticultural societies are a bunch of seasoned uh, members or older people. Uh, I think we need to get uh, the youth uh, interested in horticulture and we're not talking you know to go to college or university or anything like that but I think if uh, we had a young horticulturist group or a, a program that was maybe uh, done within the horticultural society uh, I'd even be willing to run that, you know, to, to do that. We're talking basic horticulture, you know, like how, maybe uh, how to grow indoor plants or how to take a cutting or how to propagate. You know, these are, these are, these are basic uh, horticultural things that, in, you know, I, I think a lot of people take them for granted. But when I learned them for the first time in uh, high school, because I took high school horticulture and that's what led me into college. They're just, they're fun. They're fun things to do. It's just a small little task you learn and you can try it at home on your own. And, uh, and I think if more people experience that, I think then we could get back to actually uh, calling us. I know we are the garden city, but I really feel that, uh, you know, the, uh, what made us the garden city and the amount of beautification of the city, I, I think we've, we're not quite there the way we used to be. So I'd like to see the city be a lot more colorful again. I think just about anybody could take interest in that. I mean, a, yeah. a city that does that really well, probably because of all the money that it costs, but Niagara and the Lake. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They do it well. It's very picturesque. Could we do it better? Maybe. Yeah. It'd be cool to see. Yeah. I'd love to see downtown St. Catharines just flooded with flowers. and Blossoming. Lots yeah. of nice trees and things. I just know that, uh, so when I was in, uh, at Niagara College, I worked for the City of St. Catharines Parks and Rec Department as a student for three years. Uh, even though my program was only uh, two, uh, I qualified to work one, uh, one more, I can't remember the reasons why, but I qualified to, to still work a third year or whatever the criteria for a student was. But, so I did a third year. And I, I remember, I was on the gardening crew, and this is uh, out of Geneva Street. 
and I remember what the budget was for the, the flower budget, like the, the, the bulbs, the annuals, uh, and everything that we planted in a season. And that budget was massive. You know, I, I don't want to drop figures, but uh, it, it's a fraction of what that is now. And, 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 you know, maybe it had to be cut. Who knows? You know, but I'm just saying that uh, uh, if anyone remembers uh, when we worked and we did those, the, we did those flower beds. We did the planters. We did the the, the hanging pots downtown, all down St. Paul Street and stuff. It was just, it was massive. You know, I just, I just, I don't think it's there anymore. But I've seen pictures. I don't think I've been around long enough to to have noticed a. Well, this is going back some yeah. time too. I'm dating myself here because I was between 91 and yeah. 93. So, okay. you know, he so. wasn't born. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't in Niagara. But I've heard, and obviously mm -hmm. being considered the, you know, the Garden City, there's obviously a reason for that. And I yeah. think namesakes are important. So if you can, if yeah, if we can go back to it, it does help. There is there is a nice uh, aesthetic to cities that have. I mean. As you mentioned, Niagara-on-the-Lake. Like, mm -hmm. It's just a beautiful aesthetic in winter and in summer and fall. Like It's very, just perfectly picturesque most of the time. Yeah. Um, well, that's, I mean, that's, community involvement, I think, is important. I would have argued, like we had said, that you were involved because of the business. You're of a course. local business owner. That's. Mm -hmm. That seems to be as involved. You're involved in local real estate because yeah. of the fact that you had your place on St. Paul Street and you had the, or downtown rather. Yeah, and um, and outside of that, uh, you know, I I, I own uh, you know properties outside of business as well. It's still business to me, but uh, you know, I I own multiple properties in St. Catharines, so the. You know the city is important to me. I mean, it's it's my home. It's it's where I've resided. Uh, you know, for the past uh, I think it's like thirty three years now. This year, uh, and I left Port Colborne to come to this city. So I mean, like uh, as I mentioned, that city earlier, a very small population. But uh, after graduating high school and having to come to college, I had to come to St. Catharines. This is where college was. I wasn't going to commute, and uh, so that's when I made St. Catharines my home, and I've been here since. Yeah, and that's why I think I, I, I I've I've seen uh, how how big and bold it was at that time, and and, and it, it's dwindled a little bit. But I mean, as time goes on, I, I realize things change. Uh, I just I'd like to see I personally like to see us uh, get back to to being a little bit more of the Garden City that uh, of of yeah. days past. I can get behind that. Yeah, I think there's rumbling. Maybe again, it's just wishful thinking but there's a lot of people out there that do agree that niagara is a, the niagara region is a wonderful place and mm -hmm. it probably might have been better or there might have been certain aspects of it that were better years ago and the desire to come back to its former glory mm -hmm. which i don't think i've ever experienced it in its actual glory i've seen a lot of change over the past uh, how long have i been here uh, eight years? Eight, well, 2000, 2010, so nine years this September. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've seen changes in Welland, and then when I moved to St. Catharines, just big changes in general. The downtown core with the Meridian Center, which yeah. 
it it's amazing how busy the downtown core can get when the meridian center is up and running every parking garage is full pretty much yeah yeah so there's definite things that make it a different city and i think it it has it's a niagara in general is beautiful so if it can be more picturesque and we can fix the mental health problem and we can fix all big tasks Mm -hmm. if we can fix it it truly can be wonderful yeah Lot, lot to tackle. You know that. There is one, a lot. That's one thing uh, that uh, that uh, I'll say. Uh, you know, uh, um, Walter's got some work to do. Or you know, like uh, I'm not not to say that he isn't doing uh, his best by any means whatsoever. Uh, just that uh, um, uh, he's continuing, right? So uh, you know, he he's still there's still stuff that needs to be done, and I'm sure he would agree with that as well. And uh, I'm sure he's doing his best. You know. Um, I don't know what I would if for whatever reason I was given the job as mayor tomorrow which obviously is impossible (laughs) I have no idea where I would start I don't know how you would do regardless of what you think I don't know how you would do better than is currently being done and I don't know how I would make any significant change without running the city to the ground very Mm. likely like I it's it's hard maybe it comes more with age and, and just awareness of your community because I don't also, I don't really know at all what I would do if I was stuck in a position of somewhere in the political chain. I don't know. I mean, you could say we'll add more funding to the mental health crisis, but that doesn't really just throwing money do anything. Not that's an issue. just yeah. throwing well, money. Hopefully, you pay some bright minds to come up with solutions. Yes, that's. I would hire a good <laughs> staff. Yes. Yeah. But I. I this city exists i won't say whether or not i think he's doing a good or bad job because there's things i follow him on social media i watch mm-hmm. as we talked about in the last one he has quite a good social media presence as far as everything goes i think some of his videos because he's mayor could be a little bit more manicured and whatnot he is reliant on cell phone videos obviously mm-hmm um yeah again it, there's no point to this i said it was going it, yeah yeah no i think <laughs> i think what you're doing you're trying to get to i don't Jesse, know what's wrong with me today at all is that uh it's a big job uh and it doesn't matter uh who would have uh taken it on like i mean if uh walter hadn't won and any of the other three candidates uh would have won you know, it it, it uh, might have even been a, a bit of a detriment to the city because now you're getting you're dealing with an entirely new mayor. You know, who uh, is starting right from the beginning. And let's face facts. I mean, if anyone other than Walter was elected, I would say that your first year as it's mayor is like process. going to like almost mayor's college because you're going to need all your ward councilors that are seated, and some of them might be new too. So you might only have fifty percent of the ward councilors return maybe even only uh one third so you could have an entire new council mayor city and everybody's learning everyone's learning for the first time just how how council works you know and and what the process is and 
So yeah, there, you know, it's building on having uh, uh, an incumbent win and, and be back in. At least there's a, a little more uh, structure now or there's a, a little bit of stability because Walter brings that back to being mayor again, you know, and he can use that because he's got four, he just completed four years. So he can guide like new ward councillors and he can work with the ones that were reelected. Uh, so I, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's a good thing, you know. I, I mean, I wanted to win. Yeah, I would never have ran if I didn't want to win, if it wasn't something I wanted to. But, uh, you know, he won, and, uh, and I think uh, he, can, he can do something good with that win, you know. At least I, I'm sitting back and I'm, and I'm watching, you know. And just so I wanted to say this too, I'll say it right to Walter, uh, if I never really had the uh, opportunity to congratulate you formally, Mostly due to the lack of public appearances that we had, I, I you know, I definitely, I would have, but congratulations, Walter. Uh, it was an excellent win. And uh, I hope you don't harbor any, uh, you know, ill feelings or something, you know, it's politics and, uh, and you know, I, I, I you know, I, I did my best and uh, I definitely uh, never held anything personally against you uh, as a person or as our, uh, our mayor. So uh, congratulations and, uh, who knows? Maybe I will see you in 2022. Kind of exciting. Maybe I'll have an address in St. Catharines by that time. Yeah, who knows? Uh -huh. um, well, the I I have absolutely no idea. Like I, what what were you yeah. doing today? What has got you so? I I don't know topic. why I can't even form sentences today. Mm. Uh, my excuses are usually... I well, just it is the evening, and some people might not know that, but it is the evening. It's the end of the day for most of us. I wake up at 5.30 every yeah. day, so that's my excuse. But yeah, yeah. But normally... Well, I was up at 6 I to, can't today, too. Talk so. today. Yeah. The... What was the friggin' point I was going to make? Um, hmm. We could dive onto some other topic yeah, while give you me think about it. Not too much of an issue. No. I don't necessarily know. Okay, so did we pick through your stories of interesting things happening while you were running for mayor enough, or do you, do you think there's more in there? Um, I don't know. There was a, a lot. I th like, like an I interesting um, meeting with somebody or, or something that you didn't think was... Something that took you by surprise, perhaps. Not the, uh, you know, there was... When I was registering, uh, that there was one funny thing, and uh, uh, you know, it's, and and I think I probably shocked a few people when I first registered. Uh, you know, I would have walked in and like dressed as myself. You know, uh, maybe. Did you tell people ahead of time that you were going to register? Or was it? No, no, I didn't want. To, I didn't disclose it to maybe a few friends and family. You know, and stuff like that. Did they? But, were they all supportive? Or was um, it? They. They, no, I, well, yeah, they weren't not supportive, but they, I think they were just, <laughs> they were just surprised. Like, they're just yeah. like, really? Why? And, and I think, and I think a lot of people think that they probably just uh, figure like, why, why would you want to run for mayor? Like, I, I don't think even some people would even, uh, you know, like ever, ever consider it. It just, it's not something that would ever pop into your head. Hey, I, I think I'm, I'm going to try running for mayor. I think with the last episode. That's one of the questions we wanted to yeah. wanted to answer is why he is, you know, Johnny running for mayor, and you answered it quite well to the point where I understood it at the end. Yeah, like it yeah. was. It's one of my 
with 57 episodes there's yeah. there's some good ones and some bad ones and it's one of my top just in getting to know somebody well here's something i'd really like to see because uh, i'll just reiterate the reason why i ran uh but it was because i tried to communicate uh as a business owner with the city of st catharines uh with certain departments and everything and i reached out to walter himself uh and i've said this before and i'll say it again uh i voted for walter and I, there's no reason for me to admit that uh having voted for him in 2014 if i hadn't uh so i tried to make contact with him and uh, with his busy schedule you know uh we were unable to connect and i just kept felt like i was just getting the runaround from the certain departments of the city which weren't walter's fault or anything they i just wasn't getting uh, uh, the, the response I wanted and it motivated me to run for mayor because I felt as you know what as mayor I think we have a responsibility to every uh, as uh, to every citizen and every issue and now I know that you can't deal with absolutely every one it's a it's a, a hard job and there's a, a lot to be said and done but uh, that that's what motivated me to do it you know to ultimately run and uh, um, and now I'm now I'm catching it, Jesse. I can't. I can't. Where was I going with that? You know, <laughs> it's it's weird. I don't know where my point was on that one. No, maybe there's a CO2 leak. <laughs> no, I think uh, oh, I'm trying to think now. Um, no, it's gone. There's no sense in trying. It's to, okay. Yeah. Well, I think you guys were asking me to like, you know, what what you know, from from the first one. Yeah. Yeah. You. You had said, I think, from the first one that when he won, he said he had an open door policy, right? But then he never got back to you. Oh, right. right, that's right. Okay, so that's what I was basically getting around to. There, well, it's that that the uh, that the city hall, you know, like uh, that. I think uh, somewhere uh, that it was said that uh, you know uh, that he, that he would be available. Uh, to uh, citizens and stuff like that. Uh, and I don't want to keep going on, on about that, but I, I just felt uh, as a citizen, uh, maybe I was, was not being uh, heard, you know? So I uh, wasn't angry about it, just uh, a little disappointed. Uh, I know there's lots of people that are business owners here and sometimes you, know, you never need uh, the assistance of the city uh, when, it, uh, when it comes to being a business owner. Maybe, maybe you never go down to city hall, maybe you never, need to call upon your mayor. I just, I felt it was need a need because my issue was specifically with the zoning and planning and zoning department of St. Catharines. And uh, I think if uh, you're a builder and you're watching this or you work in the construction industry, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about, okay? Uh, that that department uh, seriously needs to be overhauled and, and, and seriously needs to be looked at. Uh, and that's where my frustration came from. Um, so, yeah. Well, I, at least one of our our associates slash friend um, has had zoning issues in the past with with certain business aspects. And mm -hmm. I mentioned that in episode one, and he has had yeah. just still ongoing, still ongoing. Yeah. He's finally yeah. getting to the end, but they just. They just dealing with the city sounds like a nightmare for yeah. what he's trying to do, especially considering the he's been doing it for two years and he still hasn't accomplished what he set out to do yet which yeah. is problematic for a business owner because that's just lost revenue potentially i saw an article and i can't remember who it was but that's it okay was that's the reoccurring theme in this podcast yeah. just 
not being able to remember things tonight. This article was about a was about a married couple that was trying to uh, create a legal duplex uh, uh, to, as as an investment property for themselves, and they were filing paperwork and they were doing everything exactly the way they were supposed to. And uh, approximately a year went by, and they were nowhere near closer to doing it, uh, to getting what they wanted done. They were they were following the rules and everything, and they just they got so frustrated that uh, they said, "Well, you know what? We tried to follow the rules. We tried to do what was told to us, and we got nowhere. So I guess we'll just uh, go and do it the way everybody else does, and that's not filing for permits and not doing this and not doing." Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is it, it that that that's kind of sad because you know um that that the person opted to to try doing it the right way the way we're supposed to follow it and then sometimes yeah. in that situation it doesn't work you, i think most people in general are good people and you do try to follow the right way but sometimes yeah you you may fall through the cracks and it might just stagnate and whatnot there's certain things that i've had to do the wrong way because the right way just hasn't worked out yeah but no, that's almost an act of rebellion that maybe brings some attention to the issue. Yeah. So, and I don't know how it worked out for this individual, but yes, there's a lot of uh, interesting construction things that happen because simply the city does not give the attention that the issues deserve. Yeah. So well, something as simple as building a fence can go just south real quick. Yeah. So many rules and so many things that need to get approved. Take a little pause for the cause. Hello. He didn't answer me. Is he awkwardly ignoring yeah. me? <laughs> yeah, he is. Why? What's up, Justin? Uh, maybe he knows he's not supposed to talk if he's not on a microphone. How's it going? Good. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> We're just... Bobby. Yeah, did you meet Johnny before? No. This is no. Johnny Tischler. Hi. This is Justin. Justin. John. Nice to meet you. Friend, videographer, and yeah. just everything, I suppose. Serial podcast interrupter. Serial. <laughs> cameo. Serial podcast cameo person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's my cameo out. Okay. <laughs> I remember one of the stories I was going to, going to tell. Um, one of the nice things about the mayor only having one vote like you said right it's he's not 100 percent in charge is i just recently started dipping my toes into a city building simulator okay yeah and when i was younger i used to play sim city yeah but i haven't in a long time so my mind has changed about the way cities are supposed to be planned and i think maybe it's a good idea that somebody isn't in charge a hundred percent of like for a city because i killed everybody yeah i put a water uh sewage dump uh and it headed upstream and all my citizens died i didn't have the proper health care there's, there's a lot of intricacies in planning and i'm sure there's a bit of hyperbole since it's a <laughs> video game and yes i know that yes. but i'm just saying there um, was i got to do everything that i wanted to do oh. and they died there was nobody to stop me. Speaking of sewage, there was an interesting story on the CBC radio today about how they developed the sewers in Paris and all that. But it, it was just sort of reminded me of how much goes into just something as simple as that when it comes to urban planning. 
Mm-hmm. And, and just that's just one aspect of urban planning, and it takes so much money and so many people, and it takes like hundreds of years to actually set things up the well, way that they like you said be. before about maybe adding bike lanes to the streets. Yeah, that could take a that long, would just take long, a long time. time, and maybe yeah. we're not even using bikes as much by then. So is it a waste of time even? Well, one thing I think, and uh, going back to one of the issues of the the election prior to it, uh, like uh, being over was that uh, St. Catharines has a housing issue right now too. Like we have a high population and, uh, or affordable housing, okay? Mm-hmm. So there's, we don't have a lot of land to develop on anymore in St. Catharines. Now you take a look at some of the surrounding cities that have uh, a lower population, but they've got tons of land. I mean, poor Colburn has huge amounts of land, a lot of land, you know, and even Niagara Falls has lots of land. So like, they can build, 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 but if you really take a look at St. Catharines and you take a look at the available land within our, our borders, we don't have a lot. We, we don't have a lot to go this way anymore and go outward. We're really looking as a city, we can, we can go up, that's about it. So you, you'll definitely see more uh, apartment buildings being built in St. Catharines. But all of the apartment buildings are quite a bit older. There's not yeah. really any that are new developments at this yeah. point. So. I would be interested in seeing that. I just don't know where. Well, well that's when. that's another reason why that uh, to, 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 if there are issues with the planning and zoning department, which governs us, things like this and uh, progress, that's why those things need to be ironed out. Because if we actually do have people that don't have, uh, can't receive affordable housing or or zero housing, like I mean, is 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 the lack of housing a, a part of uh, the homelessness issue? Is that is that is any of that a part of it? I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. But uh, if it is, because you can't find a place to live because you can't afford it, because it's not affordable. It's, it's very possible that is. We talked to a real estate expert on the podcast not that long ago, and it it's booming for people that are trying to you know rent out units or, or acquire properties and things like that. But yeah, there definitely isn't much. Well, I'm sure cheap, cheap rental units anymore. It, it all depends on what you consider cheap. Like I'm sure there will always be people looking for like one to two bedrooms that range in price from like eight hundred dollars to thirteen hundred dollars. Would be quite on the low end, but yes. Well, uh, yes. But there are people that still can't afford that. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And that becomes problematic because you can't find a place in St. Catharines for. Okay, I can't say you can't, but you it's can very be, unlikely you could live you can in find student housing. With a, but you have to be a student. Not always. With a single bedroom. Funny enough, I've been in some weird houses as a student. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, you can get a room for like four hundred dollars a month. Yeah, it's not good. It's terrible. And hey, if you got a family, it's not going to work. So keeps a roof over your head, but uh, yeah. but uh, yeah, not ideal. You know, maybe. I always, I occasionally think about what I. What could work again? You would need the land. You would just need a ton of corporate sponsorship, and you would tell them that they can advertise on anything. These people need affordable housing. Mm-hmm. That's fine. If they have to live next to a McDonald's billboard or something like that, then so be it. Yeah. And that's how you drive down the price of the housing. I don't know if it's feasible. I, it's not a good idea in my head, but it seems like. It, in some sort of weird future where advertising has run rampant it could be a possibility i don't know it's just one of those things that i think about late at night mm-hmm. that i don't have a good solution for at all 
the building up is fine. Yeah. But you're never going to get um, situations where, like when Silicon Valley was first starting out, they just built neighborhoods of start like the literally just neighborhoods of starter homes they were nice they had carpet they they were comfortable but they weren't fancy and that's yeah. how people got started out you don't get that nowadays there's no a starter home is way more expensive than yeah. it used um, to be there um, is no starter home the cheapest houses i build for mountain view homes all day long started around the low 400,000 yeah so that's yeah. not a starter home you don't get a one or two bedroom small no house considering how do, hard it is to get a mortgage too right so that's uh yeah there's lots of strange facts and figures out there about getting a mortgage it, as a individual i can see the point if you are a couple perhaps a married couple or whatever i don't know if you both especially if you both work there's definitely houses out there that are in most people's price ranges supposing they don't have a lot of debt mm-hmm. already that they have to pay monthly i mean like i'm 24 years old and i have at the moment two properties one of them a duplex mm-hmm. it, it's not impossible you should if, if you're young and you're trying to get into it you should definitely look into what banks will give you because yeah i mean banks want to do business just like anybody else so it, it really depends i mean if you don't have a job and if you have a lot of debt yes those things are definitely going to make it mm-hmm. very difficult i think debt is an inherent problem I mean, we're, we're going kind of off topic in general matter. but it i think doesn't have debt to be a in every city there you look at statistics was there any talking about that about some kind of debt crisis going on in the city while you were not in your political uh, world no not really i mean like uh not 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 specifically (laughs) you know uh the the affordable housing was big the homelessness the addicted that was big uh um you know, uh, there was the the Bayshore uh, issue with uh, happening, like the old GM. That was a, that was a big uh, problem, and I, now finally we've seen some some action there. Uh, you know, they've started uh, tearing down a little bit more of that. It, the property is up for sale. Uh, it's hard to say whether or not the land will ever be usable, based on the fact that uh, it's probably so contaminated. Like that of concrete. And yeah, uh, a portion of it might be able to, like uh, further at the opposite end of it, down by Hague Street, which I believe was just the employees' parking lot. So maybe a block or two of it would probably probably be buildable without uh, needing to pass much more than a phase one or two uh, environmental. But uh, the opposite side uh, of uh, Ontario. What kind of contaminants are we talking about for the most part? It could have been just anything that, like, I don't know what what chemicals or what was used in the processing or the manufacturing of the products that came out of uh, GM, but uh, most of that was done on the one side of the road. Uh, offices, storage, and the parking lot was primarily on uh, the opposite side of the road. So that, I feel, would probably be the less toxic of, uh, of, of the land, but... Uh, the uh the uh i guess riverside or uh you know uh is probably pretty toxic it's an interesting walk there's a path on the other side of the river you can go down and see all the industry sort of from the back where you don't see it from the street and yeah it's it it all looks very uh it's sort of left to rot for the most part Mm -hmm. i don't think many of the places are still operating but yeah i can definitely see contamination being an issue as far as soil and, and things like that one thing that they always talked about and it was tabled and then it was taken off and it said it was going to be done and then it wasn't going to be done, which I feel is probably one of the best things 
is to build a bridge at the end of Carlton Street, which boom hits GM, and take it over to Martindale. You know, you know, just we need we, that would alleviate so much congestion at uh, Welland Avenue. Uh, yeah, you know. They, I never thought about that, but that yeah. actually does make perfect They've sense. They talked about it a lot. Sense. Yeah, <laughs> and you don't really need to worry about uh, being uh, being livable land because if it's going to be a bridge, no one's going to be living on it. Yeah. So it's a, I th I personally feel that the, if if it's doable and it can be made to be ha happen, then uh, I think we we should get kind a bridge. Of, kind of right in the middle between the highway and other mm -hmm. available bridges. So yeah. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. I think it would alleviate the congestion. Like everyone knows that uh, Ontario Street is the busiest street in uh, St. Catharines. Uh, so mostly probably due to uh, being the first real off uh, exit as you're coming off the QEW. Yes. Uh, but then we have a lot of car dealerships and everything down there too. So yeah, uh, yeah, a, a lot of business. Lake you know? Street gets a lot of business yeah. too. But so busy, uh, busy yeah. too. I think it's Ontario Lake. Uh, and then uh, I think... Uh, Oh, no, it, at one time it was Hartzell. They were, it was in the top three or four. Hartzell's, even in the but last... But I think it's, it's dwindled a little bit. Yeah, so in this, the, even yeah. in the last six or seven years, yeah. I've noticed it uh, not yeah. be quite the same. I mean, Glendale is disastrous oh. at certain points of the day. Yeah, yes. yeah. I know that also well. Yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. so... Um, changing topics once again, because yeah. I'm allowed to drive this as well, and now that I'm trying to get my thoughts coherent your tattoo world you said that you have some big changes and some very interesting things because you told us before we recorded that you have been looking for a piercer for the past two years is that right yeah yeah i, I myself am a piercer uh of 21 years um but it just seems that uh where we used to get inundated with lots of interest in uh, uh people wanting to become tattoo artist apprentice or piercing apprentice no one has uh, has approached me for an apprenticeship in easily over two years. So, what kind of qualifications would this person have that you're looking for? That, well, they don't. You require none because you would be apprenticed by the actual so experience. So, what does the apprenticeship person. entail? I'd say anywhere between nine months to a year of one-on-one uh, -on -one training with the experienced person, like myself. Uh, but if the person is really good and they learn fast. It could be about nine months and less than a year. Is it paid training or no? Not? It's definitely not so paid. It's, not it's like you're paid. going. It's we're it's paying. Paid. We're covering your education. Okay. You're, you're, yep. We're giving you the education for free. You know, and uh, and although uh, it is not a recognized trade, like in the sense that it doesn't actually have a uh, an actual. Uh, if you were to look up a uh, in the job bank or something, uh, there's no there's no listing. It's not a it's not a job. You know. Do you think it's because people find that they think they're underqualified, or is it that nine to nine months to a year of unpaid training that deter people? Well, I, I think uh, doctors or people that will take like MAs and BAs, they go to school for uh, three or four years, you know, and uh, you know, and they've got to put out a heck of a lot more uh, money and time before they get qualified to do their job. I think nine months is a very short period of time to uh, actually in it to 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 be given a skill that can ultimately earn you money for the rest of your life. You could then even return to a different form of work and do it part-time. Uh, I've never stopped piercing in 21 years. I mean, uh, greater than uh, maybe a week or two when I went on vacation <laughs> or something. 
other than that, no, it's consistently. I, I've, I've got one tomorrow at 11 a.m., you know, that I have to do before I go, go to Toronto. Uh, but uh, no, it's, 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 it's definitely in an abundance, but then there's not that many people that want to do it. So it's hard to, uh, to accommodate. So, you know, a lot of people, when they call up studios and, and they can't get in or the, uh, the piercer's not available, they get angry, yeah. you know, like they, they really mm -hmm. get angry. And it's just like, I don't think they know from our perspective, you know, like uh, just how, how difficult it is. Maybe as a little bit of an incentive, people might want to know the hard numbers. What can you expect to make as a piercer, say, after you're done, year of, you know, internship or whatever? Um, well, once you start piercing and do it slow, you're, you have to start developing your own clientele, or at least the reputation of the studio would, would be able to do that for so you. So maybe it's more relevant to how hard you're willing to work at that yeah. point. I think you could, uh, a piercer, uh, once trained and once working full-time, could, could earn an, a minimum of $100 a day, which is, uh, which is uh, you know, it could be more. It's not terrible as a minimum, but yeah. it's not great either. Yeah. But it, it, it totally depends. Uh, I found that lots of people uh, start out as piercers too and then uh, move on to other things. So sometimes a lot of piercers turn tattoo artists because they felt that tattooing made more money. Uh, myself, I even got a little bored with piercing seven years in and then I learned how to tattoo. Hey, it's that seven year itch. It is. I learned how to tattoo for a little bit, and then I just realized that was not me. So uh, I, I just I quit. But now I'm, I'm kind of bored again, right? So then, so then I, I, I got into laser tattoo removal. So I bought uh, uh, like at the time the world's best laser, and got trained to do that. And then we started offering that service. And you know. from the looks and sounds of it and what I've been following, that's a, that's a very good service to be offered. It is. Uh, very fruitful. The, the, in some senses, in some, some weeks, we perform more removal treatments than uh, put tattoos on. So there's a decline of tattoos in the world. Uh, well, I think that a lot of people have been wearing stuff for a long time that they've uh, maybe not wanted to get because at one time the tattoo removal industry was purely at the dermatologist level, like maybe at the doctor level. So obviously a doctor or a, cos a cosmetic uh, doctor would charge a premium for this. And now that uh, you know it, it can be done uh, outside of a doctor's office, because once you're trained on the operation of the laser, you don't need to, have to be a doctor. You just need to be a, a specialist or an expert in what you do in operating the laser. So we can bring that price down and make it more affordable for people, you know. I read an article about tattoo parlors in Key West yeah, and how they have such an issue. Key West for a long time banned most, if not all, and there was only like one that was able to operate. Yeah. And they specifically said the reason why we don't like them in Key West is we don't want people getting drunk and waking up with yeah. with the, uh, the drunk decision on yeah. there. And I've been to Key West, part. and then there's one tattoo studio there right now. They've uh, opened it up, yeah. if I recall. Call the article said yeah. that a few more were allowed to operate yeah. in some capacity. But you're right, there was a complete ban on it because all the kids uh, from college in the U.S. would go down there during uh, March break, spring or spring break, and they would just get like the the, the most stupidest tattoos on them because they were drunk, oh. you know. So 
they just start, they felt that it would hurt the economy, the tourist economy. Is it really important that we have tattoo studios versus the millions of dollars, uh, tourist dollars we make? So they actually banned them for quite a long time uh, to get to, to save the remaining economy that was based on tourism. Yeah, I know? can see that. You yeah. don't want, it's, it's a good tourism economy and you don't want something yeah. even as what people might consider small and frivolous like a tattoo parlor damaging that reputation mm -hmm. so yeah. i wouldn't want to get a drunk tattoo because i can only imagine what mine would end up being Probably well nothing uh, good. i'm removing stuff all the time uh and uh, it's the weirdest I, thing you've removed well uh i can say this because uh the, I, I would not re uh, mention the person's name but uh uh i strongly suggest against <laughs> it <laughs> i'm removing uh uh the words uh, the name Michael Jackson right now off of a person so this person was obviously a really huge fan of Michael yeah. Jackson back in the day and that's uh, where a lot of people you know and uh, now uh, just doesn't feel uh, they want that uh, name on them anymore for whatever reasons so yeah we're removing that and uh, it's coming off really good you know we only did one treatment so far but uh, I think it was done it was probably applied poorly at the time so uh, when tattoos aren't performed properly or correctly uh, then uh, it makes for them uh, easier to come off sometimes so in that case bonus for the person getting them removed right so yeah do certain uh, colors and pigments come out easier than others yeah darks are and uh, are the easiest to come out so blacks uh, dark browns they're um, the easiest they color? are you know and a lot of people would think they're the hardest it's the pastels and the light colors that come off first of all white is a non-removable uh color it can't be huh. removed but if you're a caucasian person you don't see white on white skin really uh yellow very low percentage maybe 25 30 percent of it would be removed so again but again yellow would be harder not so much of an issue it might look like a little bit of a bruise or something like that greens and blues are the next hardest and then uh sometimes some uh, pastels like pinks and stuff like that can be difficult but on average most most people are fading to get cover-ups so those light yeah. ones are not really an issue if you're pu putting something over top of it but you got to get the dark ones down because dark covering dark is hard i just thought of a question that i probably should have asked a long time ago i have a person i know yeah. that got a they had freckles and they got a tattoo that was the same color it's like a brownish freckle kind of color it was sort of yeah. just a blend it was like stars or whatever they've turned yellow in the past i don't know how many years since she got it but very the stars quickly, or the freckles? The stars. The stars. Oh, they're, okay. they're bright, like golden yellow, but they yeah. were brown, like a freckly kind of color initially. What kind of thing would cause that? Honestly, I've never heard of that. <laughs> never heard of that, really? No, okay. I, mean, that, I did I, think it was extremely strange myself. Um, <laughs> what have they been doing to their skin? So there's a, a I know that they don't use skin products or anything. Yeah, crazy uh, like exposure to artificial, natural light, and artificial light could cause uh, like an inferior. What about sunburns? Sunburns Multiple could damage sunburns? it. Yeah, could do that. That, that would be something. Yeah, um, could have been that. I can count at least three times. So there was a lot of stuff that was done uh you know to uh, our pigments were are are finally being regulated properly now like they have material safety data sheets you have to have a full um, um, chemical breakdown so that you can see what's in them most of them are uh, either vegetable or 
uh, based or, uh, or organic. You know, they're not uh, they're not uh, acrylic or uh, metallic like they used to be, uh, which would cause a lot of problems when a person would uh, get a sunburn or expose their tattoos to the heat because it would cause them to swell up and the tattoo would almost become like three dimensional. <laughs> based on the metallics that were in it you know but that's old school now like that that's not even an issue anymore it's something we still do need to pay close attention to uh the age when we're removing tattoos because now you're doing an intense beam of light and you're shooting that underneath someone's skin so if there's metal underneath uh could superheat that and then Ooh. cause blistering or burning but it's a rarity but i mean it, it you it, if the tattoo's old enough like say somebody had like a, a military tattoo, you know, and they wanted it off even though they've worn it for 35, 40 years. I, I would be uh, a little leery about... Are there alternative removal methods for them? Not safe and effective ones, not at all. I mean, there's other ones are <clears throat> even have them uh, excised or, you know, or dermal abrasion. It's almost like sandblasting or, or sanding them off. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not done that much anymore. I but, can see why. But, but uh, yeah, it's it's still an option. Mm. Yeah, faster, a little, maybe a little faster, but you're definitely gonna have tissue damage. Mm -hmm. So, do you do? Do you know if tattoos on scar tissue is that a is that a danger at all? Do people do it? It's not a danger, and it's actually becoming uh, like more popular to be tattooing over top of them now because uh, there's a there's a subculture that uh, and I, I don't know I guess the term is uh, cutter or cutting. Yep. Uh, yep. So that uh, that uh, I don't even know I don't want to call it a condition. Uh, just uh, the person that does that or someone who does that. The Cutter, yeah, basically uh, leaves themselves with lots of uh, small, sometimes uh, small to large, uh, elevated scars. And then uh, sometimes then the person, now that they're visible, uh, for whatever reason they did them for, uh, now that they're visible, uh, there's a little bit of embarrassment or maybe a, a, in shame or something. So now they want it for them to be covered. So tattoo artists actually have uh, developed a lot of experience with covering scars now because of that and certain other reasons. It could have even just been a simple uh, a burn or an injury and you just would rather have something other than the, the scar there. So yeah, it's becoming uh, very popular to go over top of it. I've always, for years, I've always thought that the only tattoo that I would probably get is uncreative and imaginative as it is, is I have a giant scar along my spine, mm -hmm. and I'm figuring because the way it looks anyways, I might as well just get a zipper. Yeah. Like, that's exactly what it looks like to me. So yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Metal clasp. A lot of people do that, like, the, uh, work the scar into uh, the design, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Could see someone doing that even if uh, yeah, a person came in that may have had open heart surgery or something and will typically have the sternum scar, you know. That would be something that would be uh, doable on that too. Yeah. An open spine surgery, I suppose. Yeah. So yeah. maybe one day yeah. I'll give you a call or give your studio a call and say, I need a zipper. It'd be even funnier if a surgeon had to go back in there That's this they had I to always, use the zipper. Well, that's yeah. what I always get afraid of because for something like that, if I get the tattoo and then 10 years later they need to perform, say, an update to the surgery, they're going to screw up the tattoo. Well, most likely. I feel like that could be correct. Yeah. Well, it could be. Yeah. Yeah. Get it removed and then do it again. Won't be the same not, surgery. Not, probably not even your highest priority if you're getting spinal surgery. That, that's true. Yeah. So. 
Well, there's actually one thing I just thought now, and if I'll just take a second to mention it, we were talking about tattoo removal. So I've been doing that now for 11 years of the 17 out of uh, Sonic Tattoo, and I just uh, purchased uh, the world's best laser for tattoo removal and for photo facials, which uh, women have a tendency to use. It's a, a laser uh, a way of stimulating the collagen production in uh, women's faces. So it's like a, a laser version of a, of a, of a facelift or facial toning or tightening. Um, and uh, this laser is uh, great for both. So I'll be doing that. That machine will be arriving in the studio in about two to three weeks. Uh, and then we'll be up and running. And this is uh, known as, uh, it's called a PicoSure, manufactured by a company called Sinusure. Uh, there has never been one in the Niagara region. The closest one we have right now is Oakville, and after that, uh, it's Toronto. So from Oakville right to the American border, no one has had a, a PicoSure, so Sonic will be the first. Sounds like you're going to yeah. have to yeah. do some advertising. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like something worth promoting. Some business. Yeah. And uh, already my existing clientele with my current laser, which now is like the second best in the world <laughs> because manufactured by the same company though. So it's still good. I'm not getting rid of it. It's good to have options. So we basically will have both. Uh, and uh, the, 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 the primary difference between the two is one is nanopulse technology, which means the machine pulses at a maximum of 10 times a second. And the other one is picosecond technology, which means it pulses 100 times a second. So. <laughs> You know, just, just look at uh, uh, tattoo uh, and a good analogy is being a big boulder, okay? If you got up on the boulder with a jackhammer that only went 10 times a second, how fast and how much of that boulder are you gonna break down? Now you get up on top of that exact same boulder with a jackhammer that goes 100 times a second, how much faster is that thing gonna get broken down? Mm -hmm. That's the best analogy I could say. It's so, a good analogy. Yeah. I could picture it, yeah. it makes sense. Sure. So that's good, you're you got a lot of stuff coming up, and you said business is booming. You openly admit you would not have been able. You very, it's very unlikely you would have been able to run both. Yeah, at effectively. The same time. Yeah, so I would have had to have turned the the, the reins over to someone. But uh, but uh, it's approximately six months after now, and things are just so busy right now that uh, uh, it there was a bit of a relief to stop campaigning uh and, and kind of get back to it but then it became so busy it's just like i gave up full-time campaigning and working to just be back to this so it's i haven't stopped in some capacity or another since i registered you know may was it may 1st 2018 yeah or yeah. getting close to a year of full-time yeah. running around like crazy yeah we'll keep the running around going and i think we'll stop the podcast yeah, it's been it's been a good yeah, it's been a good time long time. We're happy to have you back, and hopefully we can have you again in the future. You you have a unique perspective. You're political, but you're also an entrepreneur. You you're an interesting person. I appreciate like that. Like I said the first time, mm -hmm. is I feel sometimes tattoo artists don't, or I mean any piercer or anybody that owns a studio like that, they might be painted in a specific light. Like in media, you see a lot of tattoo artists that just look like bikers. I think so too. Not. So to see somebody that's very level-headed, very smart, and very successful, obviously, in that field, even yeah. though you can't find a piercer for whatever reason, <laughs> um, is a good thing. Yeah, no, no, it's true. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, someone sees this or... Uh, 
uh, as we discussed prior to uh, you know getting started that uh, maybe we could do some some things outside of a podcast or something uh, yeah. to uh, educate and inform a little bit more as well as uh, promote so maybe look forward to that yeah we are well yeah have a good night have a good night everybody yeah. okay but before we stop we seem to we're doing this every week now taking it selfies. seems to work it works yeah. we had a model come on and she said that no matter what it's either partial nudity or selfies on instagram that does the we're best we're not doing the nudity so no. <laughs> i guess it's we'll selfies selfie. <laughs> <laughs> all right good night everybody all right Thanks. i said good night but good night so again